Welcome to another live episode of the 40 Athletes Podcast, and I'm your co-host, Jim Huber, and my good friend, Jason Holzer, he's still on vacation right now, uh, relaxing, having a good time. He'll be back with us soon, so a shout out to my man, Jason Holzer, and uh, so I'm going to be doing this one solo again, and uh, every episode we talk about is packed with tips and strategies uh, to transform yourself regardless whether you're an athlete or not. In today's episode, we're joined by Bobby Ballesteros, and he's been serving as a uh, podorthist for like uh, like 20 years. Uh, he's also, you know, wound care, diabetic, and arthritic specialist and orthotic fitter. Um, prior to what he's done, he's done like uh, iridology, reflexology, herbivore, acupressure. He's done that. But I love this. Uh, taking care of the body naturally is his niche. Helping people is his passion, but getting results are more gratifying than anything else. So let me go ahead and bring Bobby in today. Bobby, welcome to the 40 Athletes Show today. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, that, uh, thank you for the uh, intro. That's 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 amazing. I like that. That's Well, Bobby, I got to I got to tell people how I met you. Um, so I had somebody that told me I needed to see you. I got to go see Bobby. I'm like, what? why? Because uh, you've been having problems with your feet for like 25 years. I really have. I've had plantar fasciitis hurt. I mean, my feet would hurt. It felt like, like I said, like a lot of times a nail was going through it. It was hard to stay on my feet for a long period of times. So I couldn't run as much. And I would do like, I, you know, with Dr. Scholes, I had, you know, got, got inserts made by, but it's a chiropractor or a foot doctor, all this stuff. And I was like, I've done all this stuff and it hasn't worked. He's like, Bobby can help you go see Bobby. So anyway, I go to see Bobby. Bobby uh, checks me out, does all these things for me within like, I'm not kidding. Within almost like three to four weeks, I haven't had problems with my plantar fasciitis, no soreness there. My feet feel much better. And I got to say, I'm thankful for Bobby and what he's done for me. So thank you for that, Bobby, by the way. You know, I want to say thank you for the opportunity because it sounds like, you know, and you're not the only one. I, I see this a lot with people is that they're they're on that venture trying to find out where am I going to get the answer? I mean, I, I've been dealing with cervical radiculopathy for two years. And so I'm seeing a chiropractor. I'm seeing a massage therapist. I'm seeing a physical therapist. I'm now introducing a team, per se, to really try to get on this. And I can actually say that now, because I have people looking at different aspects of, of the body that... I'm actually getting more results now because chiropractic alone wasn't doing it. Massage therapy wasn't doing it. Physical therapy wasn't doing it alone. And I think for like yourself, you know, it, it could be a situation where you're going to utilize. I'm a really good helper in, in the sense that we're bringing a ground up. We're evenly distributing. We're using the muscles properly. But there's still that the natural wear and tear, you know, where the chiropractor is going to help with the skeletal. The massage therapist is going to work with the muscular all these people are really kind of round and put people back together. Yeah. And then people might be watching me like, well, I seen Bobby last week. Well, I had Bobby on again because we had a little technical difficulties. It was hard to hear Bobby and Bobby had so much great information. I want to make sure we're basically kind of have a clear broadcast where people can really hear. And I want to, I want to start with this, Bobby. Um, I've talked to you about this before. John Wooden, legendary coach, right? And the, the, the story of John Wooden, he used to take his players in, before the season started, before the first practice, and he would get socks. He would get them out, and he'd show them, hey, here's how you put your socks on. And they would put their socks on properly. 
right? And then what he would do is he would get shoes and he would show them how you put your shoes on, how you tie your shoes, right? And he knew it was important because he didn't want his players getting blisters on their feet, getting issues at the bottom of the feet where they could not run, jump, and play. They couldn't practice. But let's go into this. I think John Wooden was on to something, but I think it goes much deeper. Like, why is the feet so important for people to understand, especially being an athlete? You know, I I, I listened last week and I, and I started thinking about the whole John Wooden situation as far as like, um, you know, how the feet are fitting inside of the shoes. And actually, one of the big things that's important is how snug, tight, or loose your shoes are. Because if the foot is designed to retract and absorb body weight, and some people like to feel that secureness with the shoe being really tight, well, what happens is you shorten the amount of movement that that foot gets, it's going to cause calluses. It's going to cause blisters. If that foot has a tendency to allow the natural movement that it's supposed to have, we're actually using those muscles like we're supposed to. We're not getting short movements. And that can actually become a big problem. So even if you put double layer socks on, there's still a chance that if you're good in small movements, that that friction is going to be there. So the blisters, the calluses, and all the other problems are going to be there. You know, so that's, I started thinking about, it's like, hold on, this makes sense. I, and I tell people that all the time. I'm like, if you squeeze your feet inside of shoes, let's think about this. The majority of the muscles in your legs are connected into the foot and they connect at the ball of the foot. So if we're taking shoes and we're squeezing our feet inside of those, we're not only damaging muscles in the feet, we're actually damaging muscles in the legs. And they're called the extrinsic muscles because they actually come from outside of the le- outside of the foot, but they attach themselves to the ball of the foot. So there's a lot that there's a lot more deep. I mean, I could probably go on for days on just that conversation itself. Well, you had me. You were like, you brought me in. You go, hey, what kind of shoe? What size shoe you had? And I had like 11 and a half, right? And you're like, well, you need more of a 12. And this is why. And you're mm-hmm. explaining it. And also with the inserts going to be put in there. But let's go to this. You also talked about, okay, Jim, your your feet, you got like high arches, right? Here's yours. But everybody's foot is a little bit different. And sometimes it has to be like, you know, if you talk about I'm European descent, you talked about me having higher arches, you're Native American descent, you have more of a flat foot. Can you explain like the feet and why it's different on different people and why they need to be aware of that? The the ancestry part is is really the most important part in it. And it helps me understand the clients a lot easier because if if you're from European descent, your ancestors were more on cobblestone. So their feet were designed with higher arches to have to absorb more of the impact from the from the ground. Whereas Native Americans, they were mostly on sand, dirt, and grass, which is which your foot is naturally supposed to come in contact with. So what happened is in Europe, the foot had to give because the ground wasn't. That cobblestone is not going to give. Native Americans, African Americans, indigenous people, they had sand, dirt, and grass that actually was more forgiving. So they didn't need as much in the arch areas as the Europeans did. So even nowadays when I'm watching athletes, whether it's a football player, basketball player, it's really trying to figure out, maybe I see a Samoan, I may see an Asian, is trying to figure out what their designs are and then figure out individually how their foot is, 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 is designed and then cater to that. Well, that's where you had like, okay, so I went to see you and I told you I had, I've had different inserts. I mean, I've had them. I, I went the gamut, right? And trying to figure out, cause I'm like, my foot hurts. I need help, right? 
And so then you said, hey, no, I'm going to create an insert that's going to be very unique and different, right? So can you talk about why maybe a Dr. Scholes, I understand where, you know, somebody might give them temporary relief or maybe they go somewhere else and get one. Why maybe some of the inserts, the orthotics that people get do not maybe work the way that they, they need to for them. Well, when you go to the store and you buy orthotics, Dr. Scholes, you're actually buying two devices, one for each foot that is actually perfect. But in, in humans or people, there are no two feet alike. So when you go and you experience getting a custom orthotic, when I press your feet to get the mold, I am actually capturing soft tissue. I'm capturing contours that are specific to the individual foot. So you are literally getting something that if this one's higher, this one's lower, you're actually accommodating that where I've seen people go and get orthotics and they're going, wow, this one is killing me. That's probably because that one's higher and your arch is lower and the muscles are going, I can't take this right now. But then the other issue is we talk about the breaking period, you know, where we tell people like yourself, you know, when you first get into the orthotics, first day, half an hour to an hour or two, wear it as long as the foot will allow. If you're able to wear it for three hours, this is good. We're slowly training those muscles to be able to withstand two to three times your body weight. And that's a big picture right there is that what is the foot going through? But see those numbers right there, two to three times your body weight, people don't people don't know about these things. That the foot perspires a half a pint of perspiration in eight hours at two to three times your body weight. We got gravity pulling this down. There's so many things that are going on. But when you get into the orthotic part, we're looking at the entire system, not just what the orthotics are doing. Well, that's what you did for me. You're like, hey, I need to see. You gave it to me. You're like, I need to see you in two weeks. I'm like, what? What do you need to see me in two weeks for? You know, I need to see you wearing the orthotic. I need to see the how the orthotic looks and the pressure areas of it. And then I went back in to see you. You're like, okay, we need to add. Because I was like, man, I'm having a little issue kind of on my back, my heel, but my uh, still plantar shadow. Okay, come in. You checked it out. And then you're like, hey, we need to add something. So you added some white. Why, why are you like when somebody's walking on something and then maybe a couple of weeks you go in, but let me check it out again. And then you're adding certain areas to the bottom. Why are you doing this? And why does it help? Well, specifically for yourself, as far as um, figuring things out, I had to go through a series of evaluations. So the first one was a gait evaluation, which is just watching you walk to see what was going on. And we're looking at numbers, how far the feet are spread, how much the feet are deviating laterally. I have to understand all that. Then we go into palpation, so I'm pre pressing muscles, and we pressed on the fascia, and the body responded, okay? So what that tells me is if I'm going to make the orthotic and the fascia is irritated or inflamed, I don't want to add a whole lot to it at this point. Once those muscles get to work on that orthotic and that orthotic starts to soften those muscles, then I can add more to the orthotic. Your body can withstand a little bit more support. So in that sense, we were targeting... Uh, the second a second arch which was the metatarsal arch so what i did is i actually put a metatarsal pad not a metatarsal bar which would literally cover um bones one through five at the ball of the foot but the metatarsal pad is just sitting right in the middle and what it does it actually works right there where that fascia is attached to the ball of the foot to also help alleviate and release the stress from that from that tendon so let's get into this, though. This is something I think is so important for athletes and just people in general. I mean, when you think of shoes, I mean, you know, like you told me, like, what kind of shoes you wear? So I came in to you. I remember this. I walk in I'm like, well, I'm wearing I wear these Air Maxes. You're like, are you kidding me? 
what are you wearing those for? He goes, press down on it. And I was pressing down. He goes, that, that air in it, that's with your fingers. This is one of the worst shoes you can wear. So can you explain why this wouldn't be a good shoe and why shoes are so important to understand when selecting it for your feet to give you the support you needed? That interesting. That when it comes to shoes and, and we're dealing with for this for this scenario, we're going to use the Air Max. When you're coming down on your feet, it's two to three times your body weight. When you take a sole that actually compresses and doesn't really support the body, your chances of allowing your ankles to rotate laterally, or if you have fallen arches, that foot's going to rotate medially. We're losing a lot of the stability. We're losing a lot of the balance. When you look at a house, you will never find a house that is settled on any type of air. It's got to have concrete. It's got to have a good structure, a good, a good foundation. Same thing for the body. It has to have a stable, steady foundation. If you provide that for the body, you provide stability, you provide comfort, you provide confidence that a person knows that they can move and do things without the ground shifting. And that's basically what's going to happen with things like the Air Maxes, the DMXs that had the gel in them, shoes that have um, holes on the sides of the sole so you can see right through those. It, honestly, if you go and you press down with your fingers, you're honestly putting about 30 to 40 pounds of pressure with your hands. But when you're walking for a person like myself, I weigh 200 pounds, 220. So that's 660 pounds of pressure on that air. I don't see that that air is really going to do any good for me. The only thing that I ever saw that air helped with was my lungs, not for my feet. So how, how does somebody go and pick out a shoe that's going to give them the stability and the support they need? How do they like there's so many shoes out there. There's yeah. so many, you know, think about it. You got Nikes, you got Adidas, you got uh, Under Armour, you got Asics, you got, I mean, you can go on and on. And, and there's so many different, you know, not only just the brand, but they have so many different shoes in that brand. Um, and, and then you got athletes that sometimes play for maybe a school or a program. You have to wear a certain type of shoe. You have to wear the shoe, right? Right. So, But how, how do they figure out, like, what's the best shoe for them? Unfortunately, a lot of the athletes are put into Nike shoes and Nike doesn't accommodate the wide feet. The, you know, they, they accommodate narrow, high arch feet is mostly what I've seen Nike cater to. New Balance will cover a lot more different types of feet, but they're not utilized in a professional field or in the athletic field like other shoes with good name brands are used. But when it comes to shoes, you really want to look at the shape of the foot. You want to look at the shape of the shoe. Fitting is, is a very important thing. The soles, we already know that you want to stay out of gels, you want to stay out of air. The next thing we want to look at is we want to look at the shapes of the shoes. If your foot is rounded, you don't want to get into something tapered. You're going to cause a bunion. You're going to cause a bunionette. You're going to cause hammer toes. You're going to cause crossover toes. Shoes can deform your feet. They can change the shape of your feet. The long, I mean, like we were talking uh, in China when they were binding feet, they were reshaping that entire foot to look like a fist and they were walking on those bones. So what people need to realize is we can reshape and damage our feet if we don't place them in the right type of shoe. So what is, let's go to this. You talked to me, you had me when I was, when I first met you, you said walk and you just watched me walk. I'm like, okay, he's watched me walk. And you're like seeing me, but you weren't just watching me become my foot. You're watching all part of my body. And you're like, man, you're like, you're tight. And your calves are tight in this area the way you're walking and you're like you know you might think that 
this plantar fasciitis is the issue, but this is really the symptom. It's not the cause. So the cause has to do with not only your orthotics, your shoes, but you are so tight. So this calf is straining, right? The tendon in that area that's causing that inflammation. Why is it so important for people to understand like, yeah, your feet, there could be issues there, but there could be other things that could be causing problems. It could have to do with a lot of like your tightness in certain areas in your body need to be more flexible in those areas. Right. So plantar fasciitis, what you're dealing with is you're feeling, you're dealing with an inflamed fascia or tendon that's at the base of the foot. But the issue is that there's, again, the extrinsic muscles that are coming from the legs. When those muscles get tight, they're going to get up beneath the foot and they're going to make that even tighter. So when we're dealing with people with plantar fasciitis, a couple of things are important to do. Number one is stretching, icing, no walking barefooted, and getting into some arch supports. What we also want to look at is if we are dealing with people that have tight hamstrings and tight calf muscles, and we're working with an athlete, we're going to have to realize one thing. This athlete does not have full, full, uh, full extension of the legs, which means if they're trying to lead, they're trying to take off and run, they're not getting the full burst because those muscles are so tight that they can't fully extend those legs and that knee is always in a bent position. End results is we're going to irritate the knees. We're going to irritate the lower back because it automatically changes the position of the body where they're more hunched over and not standing homo erectus like we're supposed to be standing straight up. A person that stands up straighter, number one, will get a longer stride. As soon as you start hunching over, the stride in the feet, and like for yourself, what I saw was on the average, we're looking at anywhere from four to seven inches of spread from heel to toe as you walk. So as that toe comes up, that heel comes forward. Anywhere from four to seven inches is really good. You were at about three to four inches, which told me that your hamstrings and your calf muscles were really tight. That's probably feeding into why the fascia is getting irritated and inflamed is they're not releasing. So knowing all these things, it was easier to give you the information to say, hey, we need to do the stretching. This is going to cause some issues. This will also release those knees. It'll do a lot of things for you. So going going back to that, so you told me, because I, I was like, man, I've had that pain in the bottom of my foot. And I, I had a, uh, a, you know, one of those electric uh, massagers, yeah. you know, on your feet. And I, and I dug into that. I tore it up, man, because I was so hurting it one night and I was pressing so hard in it and it broke through like the cloth of it. My wife's like, what are you doing? And then I use golf balls right on the bottom of my feet and you're like what are you doing that for you go you're like tell me like do you understand like your foot is mostly bones anyway and there's not muscles on there and the problem is it's not what you're thinking you have inflammation you're like why don't you flip it over and get a water bottle and basically freeze the water bottle and now roll this on your foot and you're telling me to do that so i started doing that and that has actually helped quite a bit so what is the difference from people I know are recommended to use something like this to replace it to this? I think the frozen water bottle is really something that people should do on a daily basis. Maybe do it twice a week, three times a week. If you're basically going into the foot, you're getting the inflammation out of there. That's good. You want happy, healthy feet. My theory is a happy feet means a healthy heart. If we can maintain ourselves in our feet, that's important. But the actual cold compress, the difference between a golf ball and a bottle, a golf ball is just going to sit, and you can massage specific areas with that golf ball. But when you get the frozen water bottle, 
you're going to get the entire foot. You're going to get two things. You're going to get cold compress, which is actually going to help bring down the inflammation. And then you're going to get the massage. Okay. For people that are dealing with plantar fasciitis, one of the things that we have to understand with plantar fasciitis is you have to get the inflammation out. If you don't take the inflammation out tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up on inflamed muscles, which means the chances of that kicking up real quick is going to be real easy. So that maintenance and prevention is probably the biggest thing of making sure that we're taking care of those little things. Those little things in the long run are going to be the ones that save your life. Now, you did mention when I did. So I, I started doing that with the you know frozen water bottle and then you're like okay now when you're done um what you need to do if you're going to be active afterwards like get a you know hot like warm cloth put it in like a ziploc bag or whatever but and then have that on your feet set on your feet why is it important to go like before you start getting active after you do that with cold to put some warm on it after that not even with just an athlete but with anybody that's got aches and pains and you're using you know icy hot biofreeze anything that provides cryotherapy you want to provide the cold because you want to bring down the inflammation but then we want to get the body back to its original temperature cold muscles don't move very well they don't release as easy so there's a chance that you could damage something especially if you're dealing with with something that's already inflamed and irritated you don't want to tear it and damage it anymore so the the cold compress and massage is very important more importantly afterwards is to get that heat back up underneath that foot. What that'll actually do, it'll soften up the soft tissues and bring the body back to temperature. So if you decide that, hey, I think I wanna go get some water, or I think I wanna go to the grocery store, I think I wanna go do this and that, the body is ready for it. It's all about preparation. You're not gonna go running unless you do some stretching. You're not gonna go do this unless you do that. It's just the things you wanna do to prepare yourself. Now, like you talk about, if I'm going to bed at night, and I basically iced my feet, you know, I'm, you know, rolled on the uh, water bottle. Then I can just lay in bed and go to sleep. I don't have to, you know, put anything on unless right. I'm going to be active, right? Right. Because it, 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 once you once you bring down the temperature in that foot, it's going to take a while for that foot to come back to temperature. Number one, because if the calf is a major pump and leg for circulation, that would pump the, the blood through there. But there's nothing that's going to pump that. So having a nice warm blanket and sheets on your feet will definitely bring it down. It'll be a little bit slower, but it's going to definitely get there. So if you're not going straight to bed, I definitely say get, get yourself a, a, a hand towel, run it under hot water, squeeze it, put it in a Ziploc bag, and then just place your feet on it afterwards for you know, a good three, five minutes. That's something I've loved about you, Bobby. It's been like just practical stuff, you know, easy stuff. Like anyone can get a water bottle, put it in a freezer, right? Doesn't cost anything really much, like dollar for the bottle or whatever, if that, and do it. And then... I remember you were telling me like you're so tight, Jim, because you showed me stretching that I need to do mm -hmm. certain stretching. But then you're like, you know, go get a maybe a deep tissue massage. But then you kind of mentioned like, you know, you see athletes like using rollers and stuff. Right. Well, this one you talk about, this is one that's like online. It's like a vibrating one that you can have a massager and it's got these these rivets in it. And you're like, use this to sit there and put pressure on like your calves your on your hamstrings and loosen it up. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So like, I ain't got this like $40 online or whatever, but it's like, why is it important for not only stretching, but maybe doing something like this that can basically be able to break those tight muscles up and loosen them up. Why is something like this important as well? 
those, those types of devices are really good because they're going to break up that lactic acid in the muscles after working out. So after you're working out, and when I talk to people about the stretching, the other thing that I tell them is prior to prior to working out, prior to working out, you definitely want to stretch. After you get done working out, you definitely want to stretch. Even after you're doing, you're done with that, that device that you just had, that foam roller with the massager on it, that actually will help shake those muscles and help that circulation get rid of the lactic acid and allow that muscle to relax a lot easier. Those pods that you saw on top of that roller are rollers that will work on the muscles and the other ones are kind of like a hexagon shape. So if you're going to the piriformis, you can get some of those hard spots right onto the piriformis, right into the specific targeted muscles that you want to get to and then just roll over that. I, I like when they put those types of divots on top of those rollers because you can actually literally target something with something raised as opposed to something just straight round, you can target a lot better. And that's that's something I do want to, I know you mentioned earlier, you're like, don't walk on bare feet, like bare feet as much. And I know you hear, I, I get it where some talk, you know, you can go outside in the grass and you can do bare feet and grounding to the earth. And, and I get that. And I think there's value, but I think what you're talking about is like people like bare feet and they're on concrete and they're doing stuff and they're walking a lot or in the house on hard floors. Why is it, uh, you know, why is it that people should not, you know, be barefoot a lot and have some support? And I know you mentioned like at home, maybe it's even Birkenstocks or something you wear around the house to give you that support. Well, again, the uh, if the ground's not going to give, something's going to give. And in most cases, if it's the foot that's going to give, it's not going to give in the best way possible. And if the arches are already collapsing and we're taking our feet and putting it up against hard surfaces that aren't going to give, there's a chance that we're going to damage ourselves. But you, I'm going to go back to the whole Birkenstock situation that you're talking about. When you're done at the end of the day, I mean, your body's tired. You're, you want to sit down. You don't want to do a whole lot. But we want to look at the therapeutic side of this, of things that we can do ourselves at home that are natural, that we don't even have to actually apply anything to. It's just natural motion. So on the Birkenstocks that I had you get, had the open back with the two straps, that will actually provide what we call... Um, therapy inside of the shoes and by that what i mean is the toes are actually going to retract and keep the motion of those feet to keep them strong that is very important so having shoes around the house birkenstocks um fit flops there's a lot of companies that actually incorporate some support inside of their their sandals so that you can have them around the house to get that therapeutic value out of your shoes but honestly walking barefooted around the house i don't advise it a whole lot like they say 70 percent of the accidents you're going to have are going to happen at home whether it's i stubbed my toe or i tripped over something or i bumped into this wall a lot of accidents do happen at home but if you do the cold compress we can probably minimize the need for the body saying i need i need to cool down i need to cool down so that cold compress really helps kind of take care of that wearing the shoes that kind of provide that therapeutic value really what i'm trying to do is trying to create a self-sustained individual they can maintain themselves holistically and naturally without having to involve a whole lot of medicine, surgeries, or any other thing. This is one thing I want to grab something real quick because hold on a second. Now, I know you talked about flip-flops. And that was the other thing you got on me about. You're like, I showed you the flip-flop that I had, right? You're killing me, Small. You're, you're like why are you wearing that it's like 
And the thing is, what's crazy about it, when I wear these flip-flops, like I can tell, like even if my foot, I, I was having the stuff before the shoes and I was having some problems, it'd be kind of light soreness. And I'd wear these for a couple hours or throughout the day, like down at the lake or doing something. I ain't kidding you not. I would feel more inflammation. Right? My, it, it would hurt worse. And why is it? Because these are so like just flat. And there's no support. Well, a, a, a person like yourself with your feet, you have some, we have, we, you, you have what we consider a flaccid foot, which is one that has a lot of flexibility. So what does that mean? That your flexibility allows for a lot of give. If that foot gives that much more, it allows it to pull on that fascia and irritate it and tear it a lot easier. But just to kind of help it, help educate people on the fascia. So the fascia sits itself. It's connected at the ball of the foot and at the heel. And every time you walk, it's supposed to stretch itself. Well, what happens is when it gets so tight, when it stretches, what it's trying to do, that heel pain is the actual fascia trying to detach itself from the heel. And that's why it gets so achy, whether it's first thing in the morning or if I sit down for 20, 30 minutes and then I stand up and I'm having that heel pain, that's what it actually is, is it's trying to come detached from that heel bone. The problem with that is that as it does that, the body's naturally going to create a calcium deposit around that attachment to make sure that it doesn't release or it doesn't detach itself. The downside to that is eventually that calcium deposit is going to create, it's going to turn into a hook and that's called a heel spur. And eventually you will literally have a hook stabbing you at the bottom of the heel. So anytime I hear people saying I'm dealing with plantar fasciitis, I want to get to that before we get to the next stage because the next stage will sit you down. It's interesting because I, I knew a basketball player, I know a basketball player that, he played professionally overseas and he played for, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 years, had a great career, but he had to quit. And because he was going to have to either, they're going to do major surgery on his foot because he had hill spurs in it, or he was going to have to stop playing. So he just stopped playing. But he's like, he talked about his hill spurs, like it became so bad. It's it's, it'll, it'll, it'll sit you down. It's, it's the one thing that will sit you down. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of the doctors and I, and I always tell them, I said, you know, there's one thing that's going to sit you down. It's your feet. Now, even that gentleman there as a podorthist, I could have created something for him that would have offloaded that heel spur and he could, he still could have continued what he wanted to do. That's the thing about like you've been talking to me about. It's like, you know, there's things that if people would do, you know, they, they would be able to take care of themselves. And I, and I, and you relate it back. I remember you saying this, you're talking about the importance of your feet on your body. It's like, Jim, think about it. He goes, you're in here seeing me. And listen, it's going to cost a little bit of money, you know, some time with me. But he goes, if you have a car and say you got it, somebody drives in with like a BMW and their tire blows out and all of a sudden they got to take it in and they're going to go in and with the tire place and like, hey, we can get this less expensive tire placed on here, whatever, or we can replace it with the great tire or, hey, we can take them all off and put a cheap tires on or we can put the best tires on it. What are you going to have? You're going to put the best tires on that vehicle. Not one, you're putting four of them on there. So what, what do you relate like why we like in cars and vehicles, we are so much spending the money and making sure we got great tires on our vehicle so it runs properly. But we don't take care of our feet that way. No, it's 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 perspective It's trying to give people something to correlate to, you know, because I do tell people, you know, if we got a flat tire today, we would literally not have a problem going out and spending two, three hundred bucks on the on some tires to have a smooth ride while we're on our keister. But we're not gonna spend that 150 to 200 bucks to get ourselves 
a smooth ride while we're on our feet. Feet, shoes play a big role on how we're going to feel at the beginning of the day, how we're going to feel at the end of the day. Orthotics can make that even much better because now we don't only have a vehicle, but now we have the support. You put those two pictures together and you've got a wonderful day. You've got a happy day. I can tell you I've seen athletes that even after they were done working out would come back to me and say, man, I can still work out even after I'm done working out. The coach told me that we're done and I still have energy to go back for another hour or two if I wanted to. That's what we want to hear. We don't want to hear that, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad work workout's over with. I'm ready to get off my feet. I, as a podorthist, don't ever want to hear an athlete utter those words. I, I'm tired and I'm done. No, I want to hear you say, I'm ready to go. This is game on. Let's do this. You know, that's what I want to hear. Well, you've talked about it too. It's like if people are taking care of their feet with the proper orthotics, whatever they need, um, and they're getting the proper shoes or doing certain things, they're going to lessen their in injuries. Right. They're going to be able to prevent injuries. And injuries is so big. I mean, it's increasing so much in youth sports because like youth sports, think about it, it's becoming year round in all these sports and kids are just the wear and tear in their bodies and how much they're on and they're running and jumping and constantly on their feet. But again, do they have the resources on their feet to take care of themselves where they can sit there and you know their body operates and functions at the high level it needs to? Well, I mean, when you think about it, the average person, like I said, when you're walking, is two to three times your body weight. Now let's take an athlete, a runner, a basketball player, a track star. At this point, you've increased that anywhere from four to ten times your body weight. So now let's go back to talking about shoes. How important are they? What role are they going to play? What am I going to feel like at the end of my workout or my game? Those shoes are going to dictate what happens. Unfortunately, not everybody has the resources like myself or other podorthists have talked to them to educate them about this is the way things are supposed to be. I can't honestly say that everybody views things the way that I do or that everybody has taken the time to educate not only myself, but to find the right education to provide to people to help them say, this is what you need. You specifically need these things. This person may need something else, but you specifically, Jim, you need this type of shoe. You need this type of orthotic. You need this type of stretching. This is what's going to help you out. But the other side to that is I can show you what to do. You have been amazing. You've actually gone through the whole system. It's like telling somebody, here's a regiment. You need to finish the regiment. Here's a doctor. Here's your medication. I need you to finish the medication. Don't go three days into the medication and go, okay, I feel good. I'm not going to take the rest of these antibiotics. And then in a week from now, it came back to bite me. No, finish the regiment. So people with plantar fasciitis, this whole stretching, icing, all these things, you're going to want to do this for the for at least four to six weeks. Now, afterwards, don't forget, you got to walk. You're contracting, still have to stretch. Those feet you're walking on, you still got to ice. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to walk barefoot. A lot of people will tell me, can I stop doing all these things after I feel better? If you want to go back to where you were, yeah. Because if it wasn't there in the first place and this is helping, why would you want to take it away? But it's just the mentality is that people – there are some people that don't want to go that distance to, to take care of themselves. I want them to do that for themselves. I want them. And maybe it's explaining and showing them that this is what it can be. And they have to be able to see it. Some people are visual. Some people are hands-on. I'm a hands-on type of guy. I like to explain. I like to show people and say, here's your expectations. This is what you're going to get out of it. But not, not everybody's going to give them that information. 
but I love like something that speaks to people, especially in, in athletics is like having athletes that are powerful, that are strong, that are explosive. And I remember the story you told me about, about the, the, you know, the late Derek Thomas hall of famer, one of the greats to play, you know, in the NFL of a defensive end. And, uh, and you were at a practice. So tell the story about DT and what took place. Well, we were invited out to uh, take a look at the practice and we we're, we we're trying to get exposure for the company and really try to work with athletes and we were invited. So the whole idea is that we were supposed to sit there and watch them work out and then figure out, you know, who, who needs the most help. So once the practice was over, they brought the, the team came over and we we're like, yeah, this guy right here, Derek, I think was not a big cheese fan at that point, but my job is my job and this is what I do. So when we said this, they were like, uh, that's actually our strongest guy. And I was like, no, he's your biggest guy. He's not necessarily your strongest guy. Why don't you do me a favor? Go grab a towel boy, you know? So we go through this whole balance test to figure out once we got you balanced and we got your core where it belongs, you know, I can't move you. Nobody can move you. So when I grabbed the towel boy, we did the balance test. And on the count of three, he fell forward. I was like, see, it's not your strongest guy. I said, but we're going to correct this real quick. And then we're going to test it again. So we put a correction underneath, underneath his foot, and I said, grab me a linebacker. Grab me the next strongest guy you've got. And we did the balance test, and he could not be moved. The whole idea when you're providing these, these products or these devices is you're not just supporting the foot. You are actually supporting the entire body. You're putting core back where it belongs. You're putting the distribution, the, the redistribution of body weight, the redistribution of motion. You're putting everything back where it belongs. Whereas where later on, your chiropractic care, your massage therapy, your physical therapy, your recovery, everything becomes so much faster, so much better. You'll get a quicker recovery at that point. Once you get what, the body back where it belongs. What is, though, when you mentioned, you mentioned this before, you said if individuals, again, they their bodies were aligned, balanced, they had the right, you know, foot support, shoes, whatever you're talking about, and they're flex, you know, like flexible, um stretched out you're like you'll they'll jump higher i mean you'll be able to explode jump higher because everybody's trying to jump higher i mean even me i i not like i think i i couldn't even jump over a couple telephone books right now um but maybe now what the supports you give me i might jump over a few of them but everybody's looking to jump higher run faster be more explosive so how does that help with that well you're you know we're looking at we're going back to the whole uh the stretching you know if when I'm testing your when if I'm testing your body, I'm going through a muscle test and I'm going through range of motion, and I fully extend that leg and that knee is in a bent position, those hamstrings, those calf muscles are tight. You're not getting that full extension. You're not getting that full explosion out of the body. So going through the whole stretching regiment, as you loosen up those muscles, you're gonna get full extension of that knee, which means when you hunch down and you leap forward, those legs and those knees are gonna give you all the strength that you need to perform properly. So as long as your your back, your knees, your hips, your calves, your hamstrings are all loosened up, you can definitely get the full motion out of the body. And that's really what we're looking at of an athlete is what are their capabilities? What is restricting and what is not restricting? What is out of place? What is in place? Let's try to get this body back to where it needs to be to maximize the athlete themselves. Now, help me with this, because this was something that was kind of like, what? You came out with these spacers, right? And I got them, by the way, I put them on my feet right here. You spake, you see them? 
Yeah. Space is right. You got them over here, right? Yeah. So you had me put these in. You said you need to wear these. Maybe you wear them on a daily basis. Why are you giving me like these spacers and they're putting my in my toes? What's the importance of these and why should people be using these? Yoga, my friend. Yoga. We're isolating muscles. We're allowing movement. We're allowing range of motion. With uh, toe separators, I've seen a lot of people with a lot of people with hammer toes. Toes that their their toes are backed up like this. Those a lot of times are indicative of either one, the shoe is too short and the toes are retracting themselves to get away from the end of the shoes. But it realizes if those toes are fixed in this position, they're not moving. They're not moving at all. Even if it's a mallet toe, even if it's a claw toe, those toes aren't getting the movement that they're supposed to be getting. They're actually getting short movement like this. What we need to do as far as the foot goes, because again, let's realize the only part of the foot that actually moves or actually is the midfoot and the toes. The toes are doing a lot of gripping and that's where you get the therapy. That's where you're maintaining the strength of those muscles. Well, what the toe separators are going to do is they're going to open up the shafts of these joints and allow for that full range of motion. So if this athlete doesn't have issues, but still needs to get that flexibility into the feet, when those feet are strong and ready to go, you're going to get the most outcome possible out of your feet. So toe separators, orthotics, all these things are very important for the feet because we have to realize that is the foundation to the system. And if the foundation isn't right, the structure is not going to do what it's supposed to. Well, going back to structure, this is something else that you uh, brought to my attention. You're like, any other part of your body, like, you know, hurting? And I was like, my left hip. I'm not kidding. Like it just, it's sore a lot of times and feels like just uncomfortable. And you're like, okay. So you, again, you had me of course lay down you check me out. I go, well, the problem is, is your left leg is longer than your right. And I was like, well, I've heard that before, but I went in and had adjustments and chiropractors and they'll be like, okay, your, your foot's even now. But just like when you walk out and you go throughout the day, it goes back to where it was at. So then what you did is say, Here, here's what we're going to do, Jim. And, uh, you said to me, you're like, we're going to fix that and we're going to give you a lifter. I don't know if you call it a lifter or whatever you call it, but you gave me something that you got. We're going to put that. We're going to insert it into your shoe and that's going to lift that side up. So it's going to balance you out because what's happening is so much of that pressure, extra weight is going on that right side mm -hmm. and causing strain. Right. Right. So right. what it, what is it about this? And to help people and they don't realize that maybe they do have a, long, a leg that's longer than the other. Well, the leg, leg with yourself, you had, you had two different types of discrepancy. Okay. The first one that you had was a functional discrepancy and that's on your right hand side, right? The lift. Uh, yes. Okay. So you're right-handed. Yes. Okay. No, no, no. I'm left-handed. Well, it's crazy. I'm ambidextrous. I throw left. I kick right. I eat right. Uh, I write left, so right uh, a little bit of everything. I like that. So a lot of times for people, people have a tendency to use their prominent side, their dominant side more often than not. In your, in your scenario, it could be that your right foot is your lead foot. So that's the one that we always depend on to go first. So what happened is on yours, you had a functional discrepancy where one arch was actually lower than the other one. That already caused a discrepancy. So when I went into making the orthotics, I actually corrected the collapsing of the arch to keep those feet as neutral as I could get them. Well, come to find out even after we did the orthotics, the body itself had a discrepancy. So what does that do? 
percentage wise and numbers in my head, I'm going, well, that left side is doing about 60, 70%. The right side is doing about 30, 40%. There's going to be some strain. Number two, the, the left foot is getting full heel strike motion. The right foot is getting partial heel, but mostly midfoot. So there's more impact with the ground because you're not getting that heel to toe, which is what we want. We want that ease in motion for the foot to go heel to toe. That can cause a lot of strain. That can cause a, that trauma that goes into the body. Once we get that heel lift inside of that, then bilaterally, we have even distribution, 50-50%. Both sides are working properly now, and that's what we want. So something I want to, I guess, kind of close up on this. Um, and this is something that kind of, you know, made me think because, you know, when when I was coaching a lot, we have travel teams and um, we're playing, maybe it's uh, five games on a weekend, right? And it's, uh, you know, staying in a hotel. And so, you know, we're, we're washing and, and drying uniforms. But you're like, you know, problem is when you play that much activity, you said your shoe starts to sweat like your foot foot is sweating and your shoe is just not the shoe sweating but the shoe gets really moist and moisture and that becomes a problem so he told me it's like you told me i'm gonna have you have two shoes you're gonna alternate it daily right each day and he said you're gonna take the inserts out you're gonna let this air out right so explain why is it important for individuals to get their shoes to air out to take maybe the inserts out and maybe to wear a different shoe maybe each day or every other day right. and alternate like that. that that's very important. Um, shoes, the foot perspires about a half a pint of perspiration in eight hours in a shoe. That's a lot of perspiration. And that's at two to three times your body weight. And the only time that air is being pumped out of that shoe is if your foot's inside of it working it. Otherwise, there's nothing forcing the air out of that shoe. And even though the even though it's mesh, when you take that shoe off, you're right. You got a wet shoe. It is soaked. There's a half a pint of perspiration in that shoe. It takes that shoe 24 to 48 hours to dry. If you get back up the next day and you get back up in that shoe, think about it. Everything that makes up that sole, the foam, all these materials. When you get back inside of it, your chances of breaking down that shoe is going to be so much quicker. So we're doing two things. We're, one, going to give that shoe a, a chance to have a longer life, number one. So if a pair of shoes, if you're wearing the same shoe every day, you can probably go anywhere from three to six months, depending on your lifestyle and what you're doing in them. When you get two pair of shoes, you can literally extend that life from a year to a year and a half because you're giving it time to dry it up. You're giving it time to to firm itself back up to support you like it's supposed to. But if we continue to wear that same shirt every day, we lose the stability, we lose the balance, we lose a lot of things. You're, break, you're breaking down your foundation, basically. So we definitely want to look at, if you're going to wear shoes, at least get yourself two pair of shoes and switch them every day so that you're always in a fresh pair of shoes, not ones that are wet, not ones that can later on cause athlete's foot, nail fungus, all these things live in moisture. So if I'm constantly putting my feet into wet shoes, there's a possibility that something is feeding it. It's probably the moisture from that shoe that you wore yesterday. I love it. Well, Bobby, as we start to wrap up, we get in the four cues with the 40 athletes for four questions. And the first one is this. I know you're big into martial arts. So martial arts is a sport. But what is the best life lesson that sports has taught you? 
I think in in the sense of look uh, in the sense of using martial arts, um, I think it's the confidence. It's uh, learning to believe in myself, knowing that I can actually do things that I didn't know I could do before. I think a lot of it is is exploring and trying to figure out things and seeing the new stuff. If it wasn't for martial arts, I don't know what else I would do because I really wasn't into basketball or really what I played baseball a little bit, but martial arts. What it did for me the most was it trained my mind. It helped me control my mind and how I viewed things. There wasn't the anger. There was a lot of things that had gone away. It helped me control more of my mind. So what is when you say that? I know this is lightning round of questions, but I go back to that, you know, controlling your mind. What are some of the ways that martial arts like taught you strategies to help you control your mind and not let the outside conditions, circumstances control you? It's, it's all about the focus. The focus is really huge. And, you know, through the use of meditation, you know, it, meditation to me, I've had people, because I was a former martial arts instructor myself, I tried to work with some people and try to explain what meditation was. And some of them were like, I'm not changing my religion. Well, this isn't all about religion. But let's think about this. Before you go work out, you focus. You got to prepare yourself. You got to get that mind ready for it. But in order to focus, you have to release everything around you and go, this is this is where I'm at. This is where I need to be. Focusing is a huge thing. Meditation will actually train the mind to learn how to focus, to number one, really get rid of the world, forget about everything and just focus exactly on what what's in front of you. Yeah, and it's almost like, you know, meditation, the word, you know, it's been around for thousands of years. It and it's almost like it's mindfulness. It's helping you be mindful, right, to be present in that moment. And I think if you're not training your mind for success each and every day, it's like you got to more direct your mind and let the mind, you know, kind of control you by, again, it's but almost look at the, like look at the people do yoga. Look at the people that do yoga and they sit there and they isolate themselves for that length of time. Imagine the amount of focus and mind control that these people have. Mind, Self-mind control is very important because you now have control of yourself. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you on that. And then the second question is, what is your definition of success? Success is, uh, the definition of success from, to myself is uh, not quitting, going forward. Going well, forward. Not giving and, up. And, and, and you can't. If, if, you, if you quit, you pretty much you you didn't fail the world you failed yourself you yourself made that decision and who's going to pay for it you are yeah but if you took that opportunity and i've always been that one that always thought to myself what i don't want to be the one that said what if what if i did it what would have happened you got to take that chance take those chances too they're out there for you yeah just um, just just t just give yourself a little bit of time to understand what you're about to do and decide is that something i want to do probably yeah yeah what is what is the best advice you receive from say a coach or uh you know that you've been around or you know been in with martial arts what's the best advice you received on top of focusing i believe that you know being being true to yourself understanding yourself knowing yourself you know i, th I think a lot of times in society where we're here we're pointing fingers we're pointing fingers and going what about them and what about them i'm not worried about them they're the least of my worries the biggest challenge I've got is myself. Once I can control myself, I can succeed. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's so true. And then the last question for you is this. If you had to say, you know, hire somebody to work for you, uh, be a part of your organization, you only had one character trait or life skill to choose, what would it be? Somebody that doesn't give up. I need I need an open-minded individual that is ready to just press forward. And not, if you fall, get back up. Guess what? You met the ground one time. Did you say hi? You got to get back up. We got to go. Keep moving. Isn't it amazing, though, Bobby, you think about it when we're born and we're a baby, you know, we didn't get out of the womb, start running around, right? We had to learn how to balance ourselves, control ourselves, and then eventually we started crawling. And then we started to try to stand up. But when we try to stand up, we'd fall down. And but we didn't have people around us like the parents or people around us who were saying, right. Oh, Bobby, you're so cute. Oh, don't want to fit Bobby. Keep it up. Keep it up. Oh, and you kept doing it and you tried and you, you learned through the mistakes of having how to do it differently. And then eventually you stood up and they celebrated. Right. right. Same thing with walking. But in life, as we get older, we make that one mistake, we make two mistakes, whatever. And then people are telling us that we're not good enough or laugh at us or, you know, whatever it might be. And then we just quit on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We don't have those people like we have when we're so young being like, oh, Bobby, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. You can do it. You can do it. Right. And right. sometimes it's the inner mind that's telling us we're not good enough. But then these outside people, too, are telling us and we just believe it. And then we're like, oh, I guess I can't. So I won't do it anymore. You know, they say for every one person that throws negative at you, it takes 10 people to bring you back to positive. Yeah. Because tearing down is so much harder than building up. You can tear a building down in three minutes, but it's going to take a year or two to put it back up. So it stands to reason that the mind is a very strong thing. But one thing that I tell people is anytime somebody throws salt at you, take it as salt. It's not going to bruise you. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to change your life. It's just words. Yeah, that is so true. But this is why being true to yourself and knowing yourself is very important. Well, Bobby, I, I always I appreciate your time. I appreciate being around you because you've helped me change my perspective of how I see my feet um, and what I need to do for my feet to help my body. And it's really helped me. It's uh, it's been life changing for me because, like I told you, for 25 years, <clears throat> I've been struggling with just pain in my feet and it's been frustrating um, and trying different things but that work. But then when, you know, seeing you for you know, for a month, I'm not, you start to see some major positive changes taking place. It's like, hallelujah. It's like, thank God. So thank you um, for that. And the information you share, because you have so much great information. But to how can individuals get a hold of you, Bobby, reach out to you, discuss with you, find out your services, get assistance from you? How do they go about that? Real, real quick, I do want to say that you were one of my prime examples of my niche, my gratification and so forth, because every person that i run into or that i talk to it's it's a whole new experience it's it's like watching something new for the first time you know and to me i see that that i'm i'm showing you new things something that that you didn't know but this is where the passion and niche and the gratification comes from so thank you for doing your part on that um on the other side i do want to say that if you want to contact me my email address is osc medical the actual number one at gmail.com my cell phone number is 913-961-2306. Text me, call me, message me. Let me know if there's something I can help you with. Or if you have any questions, I'm here for you. Bobby, thanks again. Look forward to talking to you soon. Take care and have a blessed day, buddy. Thank you so much. And likewise. All right, buddy. Be good. So, everybody, thank you for joining us today for the uh, 40 Athletes Podcast. I know you 
gain a lot of great information from Bobby and how to take care of your feet that'll help your body in general. But uh, again, at 40 athletes, we understand that, you know, people are struggling and especially going through COVID and getting through it and a lot of the mental part of it. Uh, you know, they had, uh, I think it was the NCAA Division One athletes were um, surveyed last year and 25% of them said they thought about committing suicide. So um, we know there's going to be challenges moving forward with the mental side of it. And the crazy thing about it, I tell people all the time in athletics, the amount of time we spend in it, we spend about 95 to 98% of the time training the body. And it's important. I mean, seriously, nutrition is important. The strength and conditioning is important. Sleep is important. All these type of things are important, right? Drinking water, um, hydrating yourself. But we spend about 2 to 5% on the mind. And the mind controls the body. The body's the instrument of the mind. So we need to shift that. We need to people to understand who they are, how their minds work, how to train their mind for success on a daily basis. It's like mind gym. It's like going to the gym daily and strengthen your mind muscles to help you be successful. So if you want to learn more how to do that, go to 40athletes.com. You'll see some of our programs that you can uh, uh, be involved in there. If you have a a sports club, uh, you're a coach of a team, have an organization, reach out to us for a discovery call. We can talk how we can implement 40 athletes into your program to help your athletes become better, become a four-dimensional athlete. So take care, have a blessed day, and we'll talk to you soon.